Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. You don't understand. This is a liar. How can you think that I'm her dad, but we both look exactly the same age? You do not look the same age. I was being kind. Wait, I'm going to hypnotize him. I hereby christen this mutton Barbie camper the Queen of the Desert. For this episode of Pop Goes the Tam Tam, we will be taking a chalet dive into the sleeper hit Our Flag Means Death. Anyone not familiar with the TV show, I'm just going to give you a little bit of background on what the show is about and where better to get this from than the official Wikipedia entry. I'm not sure if any Wikipedia entries are ever official, but this is what it says for the series. It says the series is loosely based on the life of Steed Bonnet. In 1717, Captain Bonnet is a member of the landed gentry in Barbados who abandons a comfortable life and family to prove himself as a pirate during the golden age of piracy. Despite having no aptitude for the role, sailing aboard the Revenge, Captain Bonnet and his dysfunctional crew struggle to survive against deadly threats and naval warships and other bloodthirsty pirates. During their misadventures, the crew of the Revenge cross paths with the notorious pirate captain Edward Teach. So the series stars New Zealanders, Reese Darby as Steed Bonnet and Taika Waititi as Edward Teach slash Blackbeard. And what the Wikipedia entry fails to really give a flavour of is how groundbreaking the television show is in terms of inclusion and in terms of representation. This show is a complete game changer and it's also really really funny. So once you've heard this shallow dive I really encourage you to look it out. It's available on HBO Max and for those of us in the UK Sky Atlantic. So Without further ado, check your breathing apparatus, pop your goggles on, and join me for this shallow dive. Blackbeard, Captain Kidd, the gentleman pirate. Well, the first two are like very, very talented pirates. But the last one is the scariest of them all. Instead of killing with weapons, he kills with kindness. Oh, right, so you're the gentleman pirate then. Well sussed! My co-captain for this episode is my best friend and long-term collaborator, Sasha. Welcome to the episode, Sasha. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Sasha. Um, Pronouns are they, them. Um, I've been in and out of various fandoms for quite a few years. Uh, Most recently, of course, our flag means death. Okay, so the first question I have for you is, how did you find our flag means death? Twitter, really. Um, I followed a few people for, like, Good Omens content, sort of, mainly back when that first started. And I started seeing a lot of stuff on Twitter about our flag means death, about Steed, about Ed. Basically just thought, like, what is it? No idea. Out of context, some of that stuff was really weird. Um, so I wanted to get context, looked for what it was, and, yeah, fell in love with the show, basically. Just didn't really go looking for it, didn't hear anything about it, because it wasn't promoted very well, like, especially in this country. So, yeah, just from other people, really, which I think is how a lot of people found it, to be honest. I found the show, obviously, I've been a long-term Flight of the Concords fan, mm-hmm. and I've been followed a lot of Reese Darby's work and I saw the trailer for it on YouTube and I was like okay I'll watch that if it comes out when it comes out and then 
I didn't think anything more of it. And then like you, I suddenly started to see all this stuff popping up on social media. So what I wanted to ask is, which character do you do you think you relate to the most? See, as I said before, like who I want to say isn't necessarily who it is. Um, okay. I, I think I think I'd probably have to say Ed. Like I think obviously very very different people, but I think the, the fundamental sort of um, needing that that mask of needing to be somebody else to everyone else because who you are isn't good enough like you feel you're not good enough so you have to portray somebody else um i mean i think we can all relate to that obviously since you're ed i am steed (laughs) (laughs) and i think we can probably both agree that yeah i mean you've seen my vintage (laughs) i'm ed steed In the show, there are arguably five main relationships and these are both romantic and also psychologically important. So I'm just going to take a a few minutes um, just to introduce each relationship and just get your take on them. So I think if we start with the first one, which is really the first relationship that we're shown on the show, which is between Steed and Mary... I know we never would have chosen each other, not in a million years, but all we have is this one life. We have to try, don't we? Otherwise, what's the point? Let's just discuss Steed and Mary, because there is a lot to unpack there. I really like their relationship. Like, and obviously they don't work as a couple and they were forced to be together. But um, I think they are sort of deep down very similar people. I think they sort of, had they not been forced to be married, they would be friends. And I think that was shown because they are basically friends at the end. Um, yeah. They sort of, they, they don't really sort of understand each other because, like, they don't really understand each other because they are both coming at it from, it's almost like they're using a different language. Like, start, like, she's obviously, she's trying to make the marriage work, whereas he's just sort of coasting along. I think his view on her is also very skewed because of that, because he can't sort of be from her viewpoint, which is, well, let's make the best of it. It's interesting that how they try to reach each other in that first episode is through the mediums that they're actually passionate about. So her painting, she makes him that lovely painting, which, you know, is a couple hundred years ahead of what most people were doing then. And she's trying to reach him through a medium that she connects with so much and she hopes that he will be able to connect with her. And in turn, you know, he brings her the model of the ship, which is something he's really passionate about. And they can't connect over over their shared enjoyment of separate things and there's just this lack of communication between them they can't articulate their relationship at all I think Mary tries but he just won't come over the line for her and I think some of that is probably rooted in toxic masculinity because I think he thinks that maybe there isn't anything more to their relationship he doesn't consult her when it comes to I'm just going to uproot our lives and we're going to we're going to take the kids and we're going to be pirates And you're just going to enjoy that because you're just an extension of me and they're just an extension of me and you all exist 
because I'm here and you kind of exist around me. Yeah, but I think but it's almost like he doesn't really view her as a person in her own right. He views her negatively because to him, the situation that he's in is a net to him a negative situation and she is like the embodiment of that. There's one that I quite like but when after she sort of tried to kill him and they're talking and, and like she she goes to give him a hug and he, he looks surprised for a second that she's going to hug him and I really like that but he he, he obviously was not expecting kindness from her at all. It's almost like it, it challenged his view of her. Well I would also add how much physical contact have they ever actually had beyond reproducing two children? I think maybe they are not huggers as well. I think maybe it was take he was taken by surprise because yeah. they've never naturally been intimate with each other that didn't involve producing heirs. Yeah, like and she went, like Part of me would like to see her come back in series two because she's an amazing character and like their relationship has changed now. But also part of me was just like, you know, leave her to be happy with Doug. <laughs> I like you, I do wonder how they would actually bring Mary back because like he's meant to be dead and their story's sort of finished. They came full circle. They parted as two people who respect each other and have become friends. And like you say, it would be nice for her just to be happy with um, Doug and the kids and for her new life to just start the way Jean's new life is going to start. I do think though if we're going to bring anyone from the family circle, I mean poor Louis, he's just like who is he? I have no idea who he is. He's so like who is Louis? But if they were going to bring anyone, any bonnet back, I think Alma would be yeah. my choice. See her coming to the... I love... I'd like to see sort of like Ed like bonding with a child. That sounds pretty cute. <laughs> Well, it's interesting you should say that because when Steve's having those um, hallucinations, Alma and Blackbeard are together. She uses Blackbeard. She tells him to stab uh, um. Steed. It's interesting. And Louis is not there at all. So Alma, I think you can argue, is probably Steed's favourite child. I don't think that's a stretch. Yeah. They have a lot in common in terms of they seem to be the sort of people who struggled with the confines that they're in. She's a she's a girl. It's going to be hard for her. You know, she's going to be confined to certain expectations. And you can already see with the parents that she has, she's going to totally buck against that. Mm. I can definitely see her running away to see. And I know we're jumping into fan fiction territory here. But... <laughs> And like you say, it would be interesting to see her relationship with Ed and potentially that being better than the one she has with her actual physical dad. Mm. But yeah, I think series three, Alma Bonnet turns up as a stroppy teenager yeah. and that's going to be a nightmare. Enjoy hell. <laughs> Scoundrels spare no one. If we move on to the next couple, which uh -huh. is Lucius and Black Pete. So... Uh, listen, I, I thought I was going to lose you. Oh, yeah. We well, you nearly know did, because I had a really bad infection. So. Exactly. And, uh, and, uh, death, you know. I'm used to death, but, um, but not to your death. Uh, so, anyway, I, uh, made this for you. It looks like a thumb, but... It's your finger. So they are in a polyamorous relationship. See, 
Yeah, I really like, um, well, I really like all the relationships, to be honest. But um, I do like with them that it's not, so they, they are polyamorous, but it, it's not done in kind of like a speedy way. Um, like, I think it, it's very much, they are a couple, they're just, they're not an exclusive couple. But there's no jealousy and there's no sort of, in, you know, there's no sort of slut-shaming, there's no... Uh, you know, they're, they're, they know what they are and they're very happy with that. And I, I really like that because it's not a conventional relationship, but it's not shown in a negative way, which I think in a lot of media, I mean, le- less so nowadays, but in a, in a lot of media, it, it, if it's not a traditional um, monogamous relationship, it, it's almost portrayed negatively. And it's it's almost a sort of, I think in the past, it was sort of a joke or titillation, not taken seriously, like you say. It's interesting, though, that they are in a relationship because I think when we first meet Black Pete, he's just atrocious. The, the lies he tells, the tissue of lies. And he's also got a lot of um, toxic masculinity. Mm. And I think it's so interesting that he ends up with Lucius, who is so open and honest about who he is. Yeah, because obviously, like, they, at the start, they weren't together. Like, they hooked up and that. But I don't think it was until, sort of, you know, Lucius almost died. And I think that, you know, Black Pete realised he actually cared about him and he whistled him a finger. Oh, the um, finger. Yeah. (laughs) When I saw that finger, though, I thought it looked a bit like a tongue. I was like, why is he giving him a tongue? (laughs) Yeah. Another key relationship in the show is Olawande and Jim. I can't believe you made me do this. You have no idea how much I hate it here. Exactly. I don't know. Because you don't tell me anything. Because you're weirdly and freakishly secretive, Jim. No, I'm not. I'm normal, secretive. It's also notable because it is a relationship that involves a non-binary person. And as a non-binary person yourself, I just wanted to open the floor up to you to just talk about Jim and Olawande. Yeah, I really love their relationship. Like, I mean, obviously they're, they're friends and have been for a while. But sexuality and gender doesn't come into it. Like, we don't know what Olawande's sexuality is. It doesn't matter. And, like, Jim is just Jim. He doesn't see Jim as a man or a woman he sees them as Jim which I really really like because that you know that's how it should be we all need another Andy so moving on I think it's probably worth also opening the floor to not a romantic relationship in the conventional sense of the word but a relationship nonetheless which is of course Blackbeard and Izzy Hands No, he doesn't love Ed. He hates Ed. No, hates Ed. He's definitely in love with Blackbeard. It's got that whole homophobic thing going on. The internalised homophobia with this one yeah. is very strong. Ed slash Blackbeard like, doesn't. He doesn't love Izzy, but he he needs Izzy. Yeah, it's interesting when you have that moment when he stabs Steed and oh. Izzy loses, and I think it's really interesting. You have that sure interplay 
between Izzy and Ed when oh. Izzy looks at Ed and is basically are you gonna let me go and yeah. Ed's like well these were the rules you laid down you were gonna kill him or banish him from the ship so um. those are the rules that you set and it's such an interesting moment because it's the bit where you can see his heart actually break yeah but I do think with that like if Izzy hadn't gone off and like done what he did like if he just sort of disappeared for a while and then come back like I, I think Ed would have taken him back oh 100% like, with Steve coming along I think he like became less Blackbeard became more Ed pulled away from Izzy because Izzy was very much Blackbeard's other half where Steve is things that happened there no um, I yeah I I think the fact that he went and immediately tracked down Calico Jack and tried to use him to get Blackbeard away from Steed tells you that nothing has ever happened between Blackbeard and Izzy yeah. and that Izzy knew that stuff had gone on between Calico Jack and Blackbeard and that he thought okay first of all that there was that life debt that we don't really know that much about which I think is really interesting because we're getting loads of background detail and the feel that these people had lives before they met is so refreshing because you often don't get that in comedy. Calico Jack is not a threat because he's not going to take Blackbeard away from Izzy. Steve is drawing Ed out and Ed is gravitating towards and away from Izzy. What I wanted to also say was when we get the scene after Ed attempts to kill Steed and can't go through with it, he talks about how he often outsourced the big job, which is killing. I don't think you have to stretch very far to think that Izzy's done all of Ed's killing. Yeah. Do you think that the end goal of this is that Izzy is going to be Blackbeard and when Blackbeard canonically dies... It will actually be Izzy. Yeah, because I mean, I, I, I said to you before, so obviously, real life, they, they, Blackbeard and, and Bonnet died within about, what, like a month of each other or something, which, which obviously yeah. lends weight to a fictional storyline where they run off together to be happy. But, um, you know, Blackbeard was seen to be dead, but yeah, I, I can see that that could potentially be Izzy. See, I, I am a big fan of, in general, a redemption arc, but I think Izzy might be too far gone to have. Yeah, I don't, I don't, not everyone can have one, and I don't think Izzy deserves one. Yeah. So, um, moving on to the last relationship, the most prominent one, I'm not going to say important, because I think they're all equally important to the series. Um, But the next and arguably last relationship that we want to discuss is obviously Steed and Ed. Right now, I just want to do what makes Ed happy. And what makes Ed happy these past few weeks? have been the most fun I've had in ages, years, maybe ever. So, so I reckon what makes Ed happy is you. There's a couple of couple names that they go by. What are they? Is it Gentle Beard and... What's the weird and black bonnet are the two most common ones. Yeah. Which one do you like? Yeah, I I like them both. uh, Black bonnet was the one that I was first exposed to as a ship name. But I do really like Gentle Beard. I also like Black Bonnet. I mean, that sounds like, when I first saw it, I thought it sounded like some sort of really, really hot, spicy pepper. <laughs> you know, that that you shouldn't yeah. eat, like a, like a chilli that you shouldn't be eating. Like, oh my God, those Black Bonnets, they really burn your mouth out. So let's just break open this can of worms that is this relationship. And I would say groundbreaking relationship. Yeah. 
What are your feelings towards this pairing? Uh, see, I I love them. Sort of, I I I love a slow burn romance, um, and I love sort of just as a trope the whole sort of you know going along thinking that they're friends and then that realization that actually I'm in love with this person. Mm. Like just as as a trope, I'm just all over that. Um, and I also love as well. There was no no sort of you know gay panic. Like as far as we're aware, the you know, has it, I mean, he's only ever been with Mary. He, you know, wouldn't have even in those days sort of identified as a gay man no. necessarily. Um, but there's no, there's no panic at the realization that he's in love with a man. He's just like, well, that's clearly what's going on here. It's all good. Like it, which I, I like as well because I mean, it, it, it shouldn't be a big thing. There's that level of joy as well when he realizes that he is in love. Finally, you know, he's seen Doug and Mary and how happy they are together and that he clearly wasn't happy when he was back in Jamaica, even though he was back with his family. He was dissatisfied with being back on land and he was incredibly lonely. And seeing um, the success that you get with Mary and Doug and how happy they are together. Yeah, it's just Steve just is happy to be to finally have fallen in love with somebody. And that just yeah. happens to be a, a guy. Yeah. But I think the psychology of it, how they actually fall in love, is really... I mean, that's the thing that I gravitate towards the most because it's such a interesting relationship and it's one filled with just acceptance and interest as well. They're really mm. fascinated by each other and what each other means to that part of their life yeah like i saw i saw something online someone pointing out that actually izzy played quite a big big hand in that oh yeah yeah he hadn't sort of said like pretended to blackbeard that steve knew who he was when he did that whole like stuff eggs and hell thing then he wouldn't have been nearly so fascinating like he what he just thought well this is someone he was so bored of everyone bowing down to him and being afraid of him and doing like mistaken for being a woman so yeah. for instance when in the first episode and they say there's a heavy set woman oh, who yeah. and then also you have calico jack who basically calls you know if it was modern language he'd be saying you're a big girl's place which is just the worst yeah. thing that you can say to anybody it's atrocious yeah but um but yeah but like steve, steve obviously doesn't care about that no like 
he is who he is, like, unapologetically, like, he, he likes these things, therefore he wears these things. Yeah. Um, and that as well, like, as a concept is, I think, something that was new to, to Ed, the idea that he, he could be himself without it being a problem. Yeah. Um, and I think that, like, basically, they, they fell in love with each other because they, they each were, like, they each saw something in each other that they wanted to be. So my next question is, um, as a non-binary person, what does the representation of Jim mean to you? It, it means a lot. Um, like, for me, like I'm not... I can't say there's no other non-binary representation out there, because I don't know, but certainly not that I've seen. Um, to have a non-binary person be a main character, and, and also, of course, um, like... The actor, like, because he's being non-binary as well, so, so you've got a non-binary person playing someone non-binary. Like, I've not, that's not something I've seen before. Um, and also, again, going back to sort of what we were saying about sexualizing that, like, being non-binary is their only character trait. Mm. Like, their personality isn't, I'm non-binary, like, that's just one part of them. Mm. Like, obviously, like, we, we talked about earlier, like, when they're first revealed, like, sort of everyone assumes they're a woman because biologically female yeah. but then so it, it, it's never it's never mentioned again like they refer to as they them pronouns yeah. and like even um like even izzy refers to them as they them pronouns yeah. like it it it's never used against them it's never sort of because i mean in reality in real life obviously you get this toxic thing with of misgendering as a sort of punishment or like mm. sort of i think within the show if anyone was going to do that it would be izzy just doing it to be like nasty but you you don't get that it, it it's almost it's normalized yeah and i think especially nowadays that is really really important um and i i love that they've done that and i love that you know the actor is non-binary as well all i know is women are bad luck on chips yeah historically that's a myth well no actually science because women have crystals in their body and the crystals attract demons and the demons yeah. attract misfortune. You know, French call it... Mm. Hey, 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 hey. I'm only going to say this once. Once is fine. Mm-hmm. So listen up. Yeah. I've been on this ship for weeks now and we haven't crashed. Hmm? We were attacked by the Spanish. But... <clears throat> Look, everyone, I'm going to keep this very simple. You all know me as Jim. See? Yeah, good old Jim. So just yeah, keep calling me Jim. Well, nothing's changed. Except I don't have the beard. It, my my nose is different. And I can speak now. Yes. Anyone got a problem with that? No, certainly not. I think we should take a moment and think about maybe our takeaways from the series. And I also think maybe we should have a brief conversation about how the show actually ended and what we thought of that. Do you want to go first with this or do you want me to go first? Because we had a conversation about this and our takeaways were slightly different to different moments, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. So I don't know if you want to go... You you go first. Okay, so um, obviously um, we've had a prior conversation about this and... I said to you that I had been reading um, Mansfield Park, which is not one of my favourite Jane Austens. I should probably put that out there. Um, my favourite is Persuasion. It's better. And what I was saying is that um, Ed 
I I kind of saw that he had parallels with his relationship and the relationship that he has with Steed have parallels between Fanny Price, who is the lead um, character in um, Mansfield Park, and um, Henry Crawford, who is the supporting character. And Henry Crawford basically sets out to win the heart of Fanny Price because he thinks she's such a miserable little do-gooder. And along the way, he begins to change. With Fanny, he develops this relationship where he tries to be a better version of himself and eventually get engaged. It's this really lovely transformative moment when you read it but within 24 hours she turns him down and rather than accept that move past it and say okay so you don't want to be with me but I still love you but I'm actually just going to keep these changes I'm going to remain um Henry Crawford new person instead he goes back and has sex with her cousin now that's not the cousin that she's in love with this is a woman (laughs) he ruins the cousin he ruins himself he ruins he kind of exposes this sister as a duplicitous liar and the whole thing was that he was only changing because he wanted her attention he what she gave him positive uh reinforcement of this change and i kind of saw that with ed and steed because yeah ed does open up to steed but what i took from it was that Actually, when Steed's no longer there to give him this positive reinforcement that he can keep pushing through to become a better version of himself, he just reverts. He does the Henry Crawford and he just goes back to what he knows because he's in pain. Let's take your take because I thought yours was really interesting. Yeah, see, I saw it differently in that I saw it more as like, you know, Ed's as himself, like he's been Blackbeard for so long, but as was made quite clear in the first episode when he was um, first talking to Steed, it's almost like Black Blackbeard is his mask, it's his character, it's not mm. who he is. Mm. And I think Steed gave him the opportunity, to, he made it so, it, you know, it was okay to be Ed, it was okay to be this man who enjoyed the finer things, who liked fancy clothes and luxury and sort of all these things that he's been told his whole life it's not okay for him to enjoy um he has to be a certain way and that's not it i think it when steve left like he he was heartbroken obviously but he he did carry on with that and i think because the, the the he had the crew to to support him and i think i mean izzy obviously as a character is you know just a terrible person but he is um established like he's he's been with with ed with blackbeard for who knows how long his first mate etc he's you know the closest thing he has to a friend Mm. and i think his opinion matters to to ed and to then be challenged by this person and you know almost explicitly told you are not good enough as this and you know i'm gonna destroy you if you stay like this you know that that um goes back into what he's always been, always been told in that Ed isn't good enough. And I do think as well that is a big reason why um, he pushed Lucius overboard. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I think Lucius is... He's a personification of Steed. Yeah. yeah. Lucius is the one person, I think, beyond Steed that could have kept 
Ed being Ed. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's why he had to get rid of him. Like, yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, is he dead? Isn't he dead? There's a lot of discussion about that. But I, even just assuming, you know, maybe he is dead, like, or even if he's not, Ed's intention was to kill him. So I, I see I see it more as being sort of how he was with Steed wasn't sort of a better version of himself. Mm. It was a truer version of himself. Yeah, yeah, a truer version of himself. Mm. And actually when you when you put it like that, when you would when we were talking about it before, I just yeah, I completely I completely agree. But I would also add I think that Ed is a boy. He has used Blackbeard's persona and while Blackbeard has physically grown up I think Ed himself is not that far away from that boy who was with his mum and dad if that makes sense I think he's sort of a little bit well very emotionally stunted isn't he Mm -hmm. he hasn't yeah like I mean we obviously don't know don't know the history like like between him killing his dad and him being Blackbeard when Steed meets him, but I, I I very much doubt he was ever given much opportunity to be Ed. Yeah. Like and and so like you say, he emotionally he is still that that frightened child, desperate for approval. Yeah, because yes, it is a comedy, but as as we said, it ends. I would say, well, the Steed side of things, I think, ends quite positively. <laughs> Because he's finally made peace with who he is. He's gone back and, I mean, I know a lot of people didn't like the fact of how he left Ed. Oh. Hi, do you know what, um, do you know what I came up to? What did you come up to for? Say hello, Oh, okay. Hello. I'm keeping this in, by the way. So yeah, what I was going to say is it ends quite positively with um, uh, Steed because, as we said, he's finally come out to his family. He's addressed the abandonment of his family, and um, he's taken responsibility for the first time um, about everything he wants to do. When he gets in that boat, when you see him pulling away, he does look like a different person. He looks like someone who's finally found a centre, if that makes sense. Um, however, with Ed, it's not the same. It's it ends very dark for him. He's just basically yeah. gone back to being a functioning alcoholic who feeds people their toes and weeps in the corner. Yeah, again, it's so refreshing because as we were talking yesterday, in the grand tradition of things like Blackadder Goes Forth, just because something's funny doesn't mean it has to end happily. I mean, they all die in that. I, I love the fact that this series um, addresses you know, elements of depression and self-loathing, um, feeding people their own toes, that sort of thing. <laughs> so um, I'm going to head for a wrap-up now. What I was going to say is, season two, what do you want to see? Like, I want to see more of some, more of the rest of the crew. Like we were saying, like more Frenchie, more Roach, more Wee John, more, more Lucius, if, if he's still around, mm-hmm. living in the wall. I mean, I, I would like to see... Um, with with Steve and Ed's relationship, like it, it, I don't want I don't want it to all be forgotten too quickly. I want to see that sort of the the, the them having to work to repair yeah. it. If you get what I mean, 
Yeah. Obviously, it, it is a comedy, and it's not a re- like it's a wrong comedy. The focus isn't on their relationship, and nor should it be. I don't want it to do the sort of typical um, comedy thing of you know it, it's all resolved in half an episode, and then yeah. it's like it never was. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I, I I I trust David Jenkins. I trust Taika Waititi. Like not to do that. I hope. But like I, I, I want to see I want to see it be a bit more like not 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 gritty as such, but I do want to see it be real. I mean, we talked about um, I personally would like to see the mirroring of, of the first couple of episodes um, of the first series. Ideally, what I would like to have is first episode focus on Steed and the crew. Um, second episode focus on what's happening with Ed and Izzy and Fang and Jim and Frenchie and then I'd like to see maybe episode three where they kind of constantly miss each other and then at the end of the episode they they do see each other again and then maybe they just see each other quickly and then titles roll and then we get into episode four and we're gonna really get into it but yeah I'm like you I don't want it resolved too quickly because they really did justice to the relationship to begin with. I think if yeah. they immediately resolve it with a fight and then snog in, I think it's not gonna, for me, it's just gonna be a bit disingenuous. And I would also say they are never gonna get back, I think, to where they were when they were in the barracks. It's gonna take a long time for Ed to trust Steed again. And I mean, also what Ed did to Lucius and the crew, I mean, that is, unforgivable he left them yeah, there to like, die what, what the outcome is like you know steed rescued the, the crew and even if lucius is alive the fact is that ed wanted to kill him his intention was to kill all of them yeah yeah like that was that was the intention yeah. um and yeah like you said that, that regardless of whether they die or not is is unforgivable really and i i would like to see them try and work through that what what i don't want as well is you know they stay separate or in each other's orbit but yeah. like most of the series like I don't want them to not find each other till no. episode 10 no yeah and no a lot of it happens off screen like I that that would again that would feel quite disingenuous like they, they find each other in episode 10 and then by the time if and when there's a series three like a lot of stuff been resolved like I, I don't want that either no. you want to see it resolved because it was it's such a a meaty relationship and a complicated mm. relationship that you kind of this is given even more um, directions to go in emotionally, both humorously and deep, dark, depressing stuff. So finally, as we wrap this up, um, we want to spend a bit of time talking about fan casting and some of the um, historical characters that we would like to see on the show. So um, as we discussed, I would love to see Anne Bonny and Mary slash Mark Reed appear yeah. in the series. Um, they are my must-haves. And I would absolutely love for them to be the ones that pick Steed and the crew up in their boat. And yeah. I would also um, love to, to see them as the visual representations of Ed and Steed, but with the outward appearance of women, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. And for Steed to see what his relationship with Blackbeard could have looked like, how it could have functioned if they if he hadn't run away. And so for my fan cast for those characters, who I'd like to see is Rachel House, 
who is a really, really great Maori actress who's worked a lot with um, Taika Waititi on all of his projects. And um, as I said before, um, Fleur Seville, another um, New Zealand actress who is very good friends with Reese Darby and recently produced the uh, Prince Harry uh, video that Reese Darby starred in. And for me, she's always had Reese Darby energy. I want to throw into the ring also uh, Rose McIver, who... Is obviously a really, really successful Kiwi actress. And another Kiwi actress I'd like to throw into the ring is Michelle Ang, who I think would also be incredible to see. And I would really love to see some more Kiwis in the cast with no re- no um, observable reason as to why they have Kiwi accents. I just really want to keep that going. <laughs> Who would you like to see in the show? Not necessarily as a particular character, but just who would you love to see come on board? Yeah, like, so yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not so good at thinking about who I'd like to play particular characters. Um, I would love to see um Gemma Chan in it. Yeah, I love her, amazing, like in everything that I've seen her in. Another one like, I, I've said to you, so it was um Kari Payton. Yes, yeah, um, plays King Ezekiel in The Walking Dead and voice acting on various things but i i think he'd be amazing in it um as a pirate of some kind another one is carl Carl urban again yeah yeah Um, and i i i yeah again i love him as an actor um i've not seen him in anything that i didn't enjoy and yeah i think though those those three in particular, I would absolutely love to see on it. Like, I don't know that any of them have even remotely any connection to anyone involved, so they probably wouldn't be on it. But I don't know. Like, New Zealand is a small place. Yeah, so Carl, Carl Urban, he could be it. Carl Urban, come on down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now I kind of wish Carl Urban had been dug. <laughs> because, can you imagine... Anyway, <laughs> so now we've um, we are going to probably write to these people and ask them to be in the show on behalf yeah. of people we've never met. Thank you so much for joining this podcast. We we've had yeah. some highs. We've had well, we've had a lot of highs. It's been sensational, and this is unscripted. It's all spit take. And if you've followed us through to this point, thank you very much. And um, our intentions to bring you more of ramblings like this. So. I'm going to say goodbye, and then or I think you should just finish it out with however you want to finish it. I mean, I, I'm just going to say goodbye as well. I don't think anyone wants a song or anything. <laughs> I thought we could do a rendition of Lecky Blonde. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.